I came out of the army with issues, having done what I had done. I had no fear, and I had to work my way through it. So the martial arts was kind of a way. Hi, this is Mick Tully, and you're listening to Mixed Martial Arts. On today's episode of Mixed Martial Arts, I've got a guy who I used to read about. I'm going to embarrass you now, Mo. I used to read about Mo when I was still wearing pyjamas, doing karate, you know, with Andy Margaret and Jeff Thompson, and I used to read about the JKD world, and you were a big, big, big figure in it. So uh, I like the word, but the past tense. No, uh, no, 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 no. Well, I don't buy the magazines anymore, so that, I, yeah, that's no, what I that's mean. True, that's, that's true. That's what I don't think anyone does. Media's changed. I don't changed think that. they do. No. So Mo Teague, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So Mo gave me a little bit of a. There was a preface to this before we turned it on which was please don't ask me anything tell me a little bit about yourself you That's don't right. want that do you no right so Mo with that as our guide tell me a little no I'm not joking <laughs> so Mo how did you get started in martial arts I think it was the usual story um, being bullied at school and that coincided with Enter the Dragon coming out and everybody wanting to be Bruce Lee or have, you know um, and I started up with judo and karate and I think it was about 19 whenever Enter the Dragon came out and um, yeah, and, and uh, it started way back then, and it's continued on and off, um, but mostly on from that time to this, which is over forty odd years, I think. Enter the Dragons like nineteen seventy three, right? Something so, like that, yeah. So how old were you at the time? Um, Thirteen. You see, that's a formative. Well, in actual fact, I was born. I'm not going to tell you when I was born. <laughs> Long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's a formative, 13 is a formative age for a lot of young men. It's when you start getting into football or you start discovering girls. And it, it, you know, what was it about the, you know, because me personally, martial arts seemed to have all the answers, especially as a bullied child. Because these guys never, you know, Bruce Lee never got bullied. bullied you know, like even, you know, uh, Billy Jack. No, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he, he never got, but he was a red Indian. Like he was, yeah, he was kicking ass in his own country. You know what I mean? And w- was it that? Was it just the fact that it just seemed to make sense? Or I wouldn't say. By the way, I, I wouldn't say it was exclusive. I was chasing girls and I was playing football, amongst other things. So martial arts wasn't the exclusive thing, but it was my main area of focus at the time because I was being bullied. My life was miserable, um, really, and I was looking for something that you know was going to help me in that in that regard. Uh, didn't really answer the question but um, it was part of the equation eventually because obviously we weren't talking about reality training in those days or anything like that so I didn't although I was you know training with Anoida uh, sorry graded with Anoida and so it was you know it was a high level and training back in the 70s was pretty hardcore I still didn't feel able to um to defend myself, I was still getting bullied despite doing the karate. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, welcome to my world. I yeah. was exactly the same. Yeah, I didn't know you were with Inoida, so that was KUGB, was it? Yeah, or? KUGB, uh, Tamita, Kawazawa, Inoida, yeah. Toru to- 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 Kawazawa, yeah? Back in the day, yeah. Wow, Jesus, I, I trained with Toru as well at the temple, yeah. My good God, I didn't realise karate was... Yeah, karate was my base back in the day, Shoukan, yeah. Yeah, and so how, how did the JKD... Am I, am I fast forwarding it? Oh, you're fast forwarding. I mean, I, I joined 16 years old. I joined the Navy, the Royal Navy, as, um, and then I joined the military, the Army, and then boxed in the Army as everybody boxes, not not at Army level, at the battalion level. Got into a fair few scraps. Yeah, as squaddies tend tend to do. <laughs> um, so that that was kind of you know building. 
I got into the JKD. When did I get into the JKD? When I left, right, when I was serving in the army, let me see, it would have been in the early 90s, just before I left the army. Um, I'd been to the Gulf, been to Ireland, done all that sort of stuff. So I had that side of things. And um, I started training in, in London with the Guardian Angels. Yeah. Um, and their training at the time was, you know, they were doing all the stuff that Jeff Thompson and Peter did with the BCA, but they were doing it first. The training was spot on. And military guys usually tend to look down on civilians. Yeah. I've got to say, the Guardian Angels training was spot on. They did all the psychology, they did the fence, they did lineups, even before I'd heard it from Jeff. Yeah. So I was doing that. I was training um, Wing Chun with um, Austin Go and Victor Khan. Wow, the king of Chi Sao. Yeah. yeah that um, was his advert, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was training Tai Chi under Dan Doherty. Uh, so I was doing wow yeah I was doing a lot at the time so I was Guardian Angels uh, getting some really good training that was when I first came across the Filipino arts and the Muay Thai they were incorporating that into their yeah into their training and then I uh, left the army in 93 started up my own gym wasn't teaching I just I was just a student and I invited different instructors in and then uh, I was doing Wing Chun and then we got let down with the instructor so they just said can you take the class and then that was it I was off teaching um, started going to all the seminars that was the heyday of the seminars I was training I was traveling um, going up to Coventry training with all the BCA seminars yes. with Jeff and Rick Young I was going to the academy in Hoxton with Bob Breen Rick Young Mark McFan you know everybody <laughs> oh, Mark Mark's a, Mark is something else yeah Mark uh, is something else I remember seeing Phil Norman there with the long hair Yes, Colin Phil, when it, yeah. yeah, Colin. Yeah, Colin. Wow, God, God, God rest his soul. Yeah, Colin was a friend of mine. I, I um, uh, used to go up and see Colin quite a lot. Yeah, so I was, you know, doing all, all that. Uh, just I was searching out BJJ. I was going down to a blue belt in his garage down in Plymouth and Exeter. I was training up, went up to London. I, I want to say Homolo Barris, but Homolo Barris. You might have been Homolo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, you see, this is you, you've hit on something for. First of all, they were really exciting times. They were great times. Because I I remember I was over in Germany. So I was in Germany from 92 to nearly 98. And literally I'd gone over and it was bizarre because literally as I was going over, Jeff was just starting to really gain some sure. traction. You know, uh, and bizarrely was as I said I'm not joking when I said I used to read everything that you everything that you've ever written I've read trust <laughs> me because uh, I'm a real geek like that and a lot it, of it was tongue in cheek I gotta say but no 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 I still I still thought you, that your columns were still some of the best so there was there was a grain of truth and there was a lot of tongue in the cheek yes. at the same time and when I used to read it I used to think to myself this is one guy who understands how ludicrous some of these people are in martial arts the point that you said, which made me made me smile to myself, was when you're in the military. Military got the military looked down really bad on martial arts, right? Unless it's the very, very, very highest of level, right? The I average, would say, yeah. You guys look down on civilians. Yes. Fighting skills were never taught in the military. I did, I did do a a course, but it's not taught. But so they don't look down on martial artists per se, and I think that attitude has changed now anyway. Yes, because I know that there's an army BJJ team. Yeah, my friend, my friend runs yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and the Royal Marine, Royal Marines have got their BJJ. Yeah, uh, and 
that they've adopted a lot of what the Americans had with the combatives. Yeah. I, I would still say nowadays, against an untrained guy, mindset will get you 99% of the wins. I say more people defend themselves out of a sense of indignation than people who do martial arts. So there's a lot of people out there, like you hear about the 80-year-old lady in the post office that fends off some guy. Yes. Because she's indignant, you know, it's wrong. That's a, if you can use indignation as, as a mental toughness trait, then yeah. I think one of the things I just touched on in the teaching session there with everything, you know, if you think of it as a pyramid with the technique, the application of the technique, you know, at, at that moment where you, where you strike somebody and we reverse engineer it, to the base of the pyramid and come through all the skill sets and tactics and everything else everything stands on your values your personal values and beliefs yes so um you know that's why and then you know we have things like authority you have to give yourself authority the society gives us authority through the self-defense you know the law gives us permission to defend ourselves so we have authority but you have to give yourself authority to defend yourself and use violence when necessary that, that, you know that is a very very interesting point because I, I use this in my own teaching where I say, if you have justification on your side, I'll put you up against Mike Tyson. Yeah, and just I, man, yeah. And I, 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 I totally believe this. Yeah. But it's, uh, if, I'm not, if I'm not coming out with fortune cookie wisdom or a Facebook meme, I'm coming out with a quote. And I, I, I have, I've never had an original thought in my mind, Mo. But, um, you know, we, we've both been very lucky to, to train with giants, you know. And it was, you know, with Bob Breen especially. Yeah, I love Bob. Bob once came out uh, in an interview and he was telling me about it where somebody said, you're in the trenches and you've only got two guys. You can pick two guys in the whole world to fight with you. Yeah, but they're the only two guys you can pick. Who would they be? And without skipping a beat, he said Terry Barnett and Dave Burkett. But it'd have to be right. The reasons would have to be right. And it was the way that he said it. And you know, Dave Burkett and Terry Barnett are two of the nicest men you'll ever wish to meet, right? Yeah, no, Terry. Yeah, uh, and, and that that for me is what I love about martial arts is the fact that you get people that it you know as much as your Yoki Gary is awesome and your you know your Gakazuki is awesome or your Triangle Choke is awesome. The, the way that it builds you as a person when you were saying about the foundation I know you believe in Giri you believe in honour you know and then I believe I, I think the defining trait of the warrior is humility yeah and I don't mean there's a lot of people that's oh, I'm not very good and then they pull off this fantastic I think you know there's false humility but I think genuine humility because I could, you know, I, I'm quite secure in, in my, within myself, but I know where I stand in terms of, you mentioned the names and, and the people that I've trained with, so I know what, what, what I'm doing should look like, and it's not anywhere near that, but I'm happy with, yeah, same with the way things are, but I, I, I'm, I, I'm happy with where I am, Yes, but I know, I know the difference between what I'm doing and what Bob Breen, Rick Young... Rick Fay, reports and all these guys, I know the difference. If you, th th this is the thing, if the bar is high, you know, at the end of the day, I, would, I like where I am. I'm literally, I'm not even a sardine compared to these guys. You know when they say it's a big fish? Sure. Yeah, I'm like an anchovy. Well, I don't, I think an anchovy is the smallest one I can think of, right? But I, I'm, I'm swimming, I'm swimming with a load of sharks and I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay, I'm doing okay. If I can just get you on, when you got with the, the Guardian Angels, what was the driving motivation behind that? I'm a big one for experiencing life and I, I was on the train one day traveling probably to one of my martial arts classes and these guys got on these girls got on um, and they had the red berries and they had the red jackets on and I'd heard about the guardian angels and it intrigued me and they seemed to have an air of confidence and everything else and I had time on my hands I probably didn't actually but I made time 
and I thought I'll give that a go and um, I turned up I think we were down at King's Cross at the time and um, we used to meet train every week and, and then you know I was going out on patrols and things like that and we were getting into some really pretty hairy situations around Soho and you know dodgy areas of London and it really was and I you know I really want to have as many life experiences as I can and I think you know I want to take a bite out of everything regardless of whether I'm any good at it I want to you know I want to have stories to tell my grandchildren you know because life's for living and not for just yeah you don't want to be a participant you know well, you, you, you want to be an active I'm character to be in there you know so you know I had some great memories and it's something now that I can talk about and it was relevant to kind of my questioning it was it was around that time I was questioning you know because I was doing the Wing Chun and everything and I'd done the boxing and the karate and everything and and it was um, I was reading Terry O'Neill's Fighting Arts at the time yes um, that was just coming out in Dennis Martin's column and um, you know Gary Spires and all that oh now you're talking yeah you know yes. so, um, and, and I still had questions it was the first time I started making notes and trying to work things out for myself in terms of you know controlling the distance and I was working this all out for myself and making notes and I'm a prolific you know I research and I research the best and I you know uh, try and make sense of it that I can understand if I can understand it anybody can understand it but I want to take things apart I want to know why 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 do we do it that way why is that hand there why does this have to be here what is absolutely going to work you know what do I need to be what do I need to do um, in terms of a real violent situation and confrontation so I was taking everything apart I was discarding things I was bringing it back in again I was bringing in new stuff I was researching and I was doing a lot of it for the fun of it as well as for the practicality yeah did you did you ever get to meet uh, I'm, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right Curtis is it Swiwas a little while uh, I spoke to him on the phone yes I put Jeff Thompson in touch with him funny enough Jeff right. was keen to get in touch with him I never met him because he the, the reason it, I think it was more than my age more than anything because when you're when you're in your early to late teens by the time you hit 25 you're like that was a lifetime ago and it was only sure. 10 years ago and I remember he came he was, he was back over in the UK and they were like uh, you know he was he was the founder of the Guardian Angels and I'm thinking no I remember you know it, it was probably like 89 sure uh, they came over and it was like yeah he I think they was it in seventy nine or eighty one or something that they started it in New York originally. Uh, something like that. Yeah, and yeah. I, I looked at the guy and I was like, right, okay. And me personally, I was looking, at it, I was thinking, this is great. Except I just thought it was a Walt Hill movie. I was like, this is this is the Warriors. Sure. Yeah, this yeah, that's is. Right. Yeah, but these the are the good yeah. guys on the Warriors, right? That's right. And was it like civic duty? Did was there any? Did that play a part in it? Um, no, not for me personally. Although that was. The, the idea behind it I just wanted to, um, some more real life experiences I was impressed with the, like I say with the training um, they had a lot of members then I know they struggled for members since yeah um, they're still going but there's only a handful of a handful of them at the moment but I mean they must have had over 100 members at the time um, so training sessions were packed they were realistic um, but it wasn't I, I didn't do it out of a sense of like community service or, no. or sense and, of and what, what, do, what if you don't mind me asking what what was your motivation to join like first the navy and then the army not having a proper education really yeah because if you think about it and you probably you might relate to this is the fact that when you you know when you're bullied you have certain coping mechanisms so mine was to be the class clown <laughs> I am that guy yeah you yeah. know what I'm saying so you had to ingratiate yourself with the bullies through humour and hope that they wouldn't beat you up if you made them laugh and then like um so uh, you know so my education suffered obviously I went to grammar school 
So I, 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 you know, I had the wherewithal, but I, I just wasn't able to use it. So you know, I left, I think, with one O level. And I, really, my father had been in the Navy, so it was a natural progression. And then it didn't really offer, the Navy didn't offer me the challenge, so I joined the Army. Um, well, and who are you with in the Army? The Grenadier Guards. Because this is crazy, because in, I actually failed a psychometric test for the Irish Guards. Literally what I wanted, I always wanted to be a policeman, even now. You know, because I really believe, I do believe in the, the, the you know, not the good and evil, the good and bad, uh, evil's too strong a word, but I really believe that people choose to be bad, you know? Uh, not necessarily, I don't think, I don't, really? Most, most people do. Um, I, I'll mention my, briefly, I don't want to go into too much detail about it, but my son-in-law um, was an evil man. Right. He cut somebody's fingers off with a pair of scissors. No. He was a sociopath, and um, you know, we, we ended up, oh, he's dead now. He ended up in the Bangkok Hilton jail, right. Thailand. Bad man, bad man. Um, but, you know, I spoke to his mother after he died. He's dead now. But um, she said he was like that from a child. You know, he was just born that way. So I, I think there are exceptions to that. I think people, a lot of people do choose. He had no choice. He couldn't help himself. You know, I tried to help him, reached out to him. Um, but, you know, I, you know, he's hardwired. Do, do you know what? The, you, this is the thing. It, uh, you know, just as you're saying that, it has made me think because one of the things that I, I really don't like injustice is because I, I, you know, I, I know what you're saying, but nine times out of ten, when I've met someone who's chosen to be bad, and that, that and I hate that because I hate the fact that you've made the conscious decision to yeah, do I, that. Yeah, I agree. There, you know, I think the majority of people are. But then, then there's people who it's like you know. You, you can't be pissed off at a fish because he's wet sure. because that's what he does, what does and yeah. it, it, it's it, it's just the one great thing that martial arts gives us is when you open up that room to teach you have a microcosm for the world and the one thing that really like and it, it does it continually inspires me is it's only every now and again that the idiot comes up sure so if I look at that and I think the rest of the world well okay it must be 99% of the world's pretty good so I remember seeing the Danny Dyer TV show and you, you referenced the Irish connection. What connection have you got to Ireland? What's your, is it all your family? Or? I was brought up Irish Catholic. That's how I was brought up. Separated at birth, my friend. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, Whereabouts in Ireland, if you don't mind me asking? Donegal. Oh, well, if you're going to come from a place in Ireland, you might as well come from the picture postcard part. Absolutely. Yeah, I, you don't mind me, but you were on Facebook and then you had to come off Facebook because you were working abroad for a little while. So, because I thought you'd retired, Mo. I was like, yeah, he's sitting back. He's just, you know, he's watching Countdown. Bit no, of no, swimming. not at all. I mean, um, I don't know how, I mean, just following on, I mean, I went on the doors, worked on the doors for years. Yeah. Um, on my own in a, in a biker bar um, and nobody else would work with me. And it was, there was no CCTV. There was no badge system. It was just me and about 300 people. Yes. Put it that way. Uh, a lot of them were bikers. It was, it was kind of, the, it was the place in Weymouth where um, if you could, if you were barred from anywhere else, we let you in. Right. And, um, and people say, oh, Weymouth's a nice seaside town, but people have got to remember that people go on holiday and the holiday normally involves uh, nefarious behavior, alcohol and drugs and, um, you know, a good punch up. So, you know, in the summertime, it's it's pretty leery. We had, we've got an army base, we had a navy base there, so it was a la- it was a leery time. You, you time. earn your you earn your money on sea- in seaside towns anyway. You earn your money. I had no backup. It was just me, um, and it was again 
a good, a good learning curve, you know, because it was the same time as all the Jeff Thompson thing and the UFC was going through and I was doing everything and I loved it. I yeah? Loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, um, did you, how, how did you feel? You know, so say there was a violent altercation, finished it, and again, this is for the benefit of the guys who have never read any of most stuff. If you can, you'll find some of it on PDF, uh, back issues of Martial Arts Illustrated and stuff. But you used to do quite a lot of... Um, it would be like an autopsy on before, during and after effects. I remember you read, you did one article once, which was on about the pre-fight, the post-fight, uh, pre-fight, in-fight, post-fight, right. and then the adrenal dumps and how many of those you used to have. So how did you... How do you get your head around that? How do you, you know? So I, I know myself coming off the doors, I wouldn't go to sleep until five in the morning. Right. Because I, I get it a little bit now with jujitsu when I come back and I'm, you know, you've been wrestling for two hours and you can't sleep because you've been switched on. Well, I mean, I, I had um, I had what I call music in and music out. Before I went to work and I was ironing my shirt, I had a ritual. I had a ritual of ironing my shirt and I would put on some heavy metal or the hacker. And I was then the hacker, the hacker, you know, because awesome. I was into rugby and everything. Yeah, and um, just something to really get pumped up, because I, I, you know, a lot of guys used to have to get a lot of the guys when I, when I went onto a different door and I was working with other colleagues, they, it took them a little bit of time to get warmed up, you know. Yeah. Whereas I arrived on the door and I was ready to go. So I, I, I played music in and I was in that mindset. So that was my ritual. As soon as I ironed my shirt and put that music on, I'm ready to go. Yeah. And then when I finished. I would put some classical music on, have a cup of tea and a sandwich, which was my ritual, and that was my music out. And I would leave it, that was it, and never, you know. And, that, and that'd be it, you switch off it. then. That was it, and, and um, you know, I, 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 I'm not defined by violence, so I, I wouldn't, you know, become tainted or, or defined by it. But at the time, I was very violent at the time, and I was going through, I guess, I, I'm not going to say PTSD, but... Um, coming out of the army, I, I came out of the army with issues, having done what I had done. Yeah, um, I, you know, um, been in the trenches and killed people and things like that. So, um, and I, I meet a lot of people now who are suffering terribly, way beyond anything that I went through, and I had to work my way through it. So, I, you know, the martial arts was kind of a, a way, um, but I had to work. You know, my the violence, I suppose, was I had no fear. I remember talking to Jeff about it. I said, Jeff, I'm not even scared. What, you know, what's wrong with me? And he's, and he's trying to explain, you know, about no fear and everything, you know. And I just said, well, I'm turning up on the door. I'm on my own. Nobody else will work with me. I've got no backup, no radio, fuck all. And um, I'm not scared. And it was, you know, I was just coming out of the army. And I, was, I had to work my way through it. And I did it through reading, you know, the Dalai Lama and reevaluating all my values and beliefs. Because, because when you're brought up Irish Catholic... Um, I thought that's what I was. It's a very, do- it's a very dogmatic doctrine. Yes, I very. thought that's what I was, and I th- and um, and um, I kind of, you know, my faith. I kind of reevaluated that, um, and I'm still religious. I'm not religious, but I believe. Yes, and that's been very strong to me. I've got to say, um, my faith. But I see faith and religion as different things. Oh, so. completely different. Yeah, yeah, completely. So I'm not, I'm not into the religion side of things, but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, have, have my faith. Um, and I have my values and you know it kind of I, I think I did work through it um, I have a vicious temper and I, I'm aware of that um, maybe I come across as maybe a little bit placid and whatever but it's a conscious thing because even when I'm teaching yes and the guys will tell you down there my language changes yes everything my persona changes yeah 
and then even when you know even when I'm teaching it's it, it starting to draw me away the body, a little bit the body I, language changes my language the game, changes you know yeah. the swearing changes you know and I don't I don't swear out of context generally um, I'm, I'm aware of that but I know it's in me I have this dark side everybody has it and um, I have to make sure that I control it and it doesn't control me yeah you see you, you've, you've hit on something there just as you were saying it so I, I, I've met quite a few people especially uh, what you saying from the coming from the military do you think any part of it was what well, I've seen the absolute worst 300 bikers this is this isn't yeah. the same what, what is this I did have that feeling you know I've, I've had people throw acid bombs on me I've 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 had people spit on me you know I, I've, I've killed I killed someone in a street fight I've killed someone in a trench um, you know I, I've seen I've trodden on things that were once human right um, but you wouldn't recognise it as that but you, you know um, I've, I've walked on on things like that um, I've seen you know and it made me I think it, it, I came back from the Iraq war and I was just like what is it all about you know the, the killing um, you know was you know when you, we just mentioned the Iraq war especially you know when you came back from was it just what you'd seen or was it your views on what that conflict was when we say for example the second world war the whole country was involved you know you had a support like your brother was in it your mum you know we were getting bombed and a lot of people say the second world war was the best time of their life yes a lot of people have said that but they weren't at Auschwitz Exactly. You know, they mean, weren't we, at Dachau, I went to Auschwitz right. a few weeks ago. Really? Yeah, and um, you know that makes you think. I've, I've been to Dachau, and Dachau is like, yeah, you know, when, you know when people are like, I think we should draw a line under that. And you go, no, no, no. That's one place that everybody should still go to because that isn't a long time ago, Mo. Still ha- happened in Kosovo. You know, it happened in, <laughs> in, in Serbia. Yeah. You know, ethnic um, cleansing. Ethnic cleansing hasn't gone out of fashion in some places. Control. You know, Rwanda. You, you name it. I mean, there's a little bit of thing. I saw something on Facebook uh, recently, you know, um, Britain did this and we should be ashamed of ourselves to be British. Well, you know, there's not a country in the world that doesn't have some kind of past like that, you know. And really, it, you know, we don't glory in it. There's no glory in war or anything like that. But um, I think in this country, well, coming back to that, you know, it was a shared experience, basically. With the, yes. whole, the whole country had that shared experience. Whereas, you know, uh, you know, what percentage of the country... I mean, I can remember when I used to go to Ireland and things like that well back in the day in the 70s and 80s if you were a squaddy you were looked down on yeah you know but now it's helped for heroes and everything else it's all been turned on its head but back in the day you weren't acknowledged if you'd been to Ireland you know you were just a, a low life squaddy and now it's changed so people are embracing that which is more the American I think we've just kind of picked up in the American side yeah. of things but um, how many guys you know there's that sense of isolation I, I went over there to Iraq I, I went uh, with a unit they they uh, took me over um, but I, w- I didn't serve with them I was I was serving with the intelligence and um, I was kind of freelancing if you like a lot on my own yeah um, so I, you know when I came back I didn't have anybody to share with or relate with and go remember that time we did this remember that time so I think that's got a lot to do with it and then guys will go home on leave and they you know they'll see their old CV mates and whatever you, you can't you know, you've been in a firefight or you killed somebody or you've seen your mate blown up or shot and lost his legs or whatever. You, you know, you can talk about it, but nobody's actually, you know, it's an abstract notion to most people. And, you know, there's, there's no connection. Whereas in the other wars, we were all at war. Whereas yes. this is just, you know, how many, how many squaddies are there that have been out and seen active service and, and seen that? Not many. So, 
you know, it's more, you know, I think that's a big part of it. And that's why the mental health, combat stress and things like this are very important. Um, you know, the work that they're doing with veterans is, is really important. It's, it's very, very important because unless it's something you can physically see, so you, you know yourself, the minute you see an amputee, that's it, your heart goes out to this guy. And you just see some guy walking up the street and it, like he's, yeah, he's just in bits. You're like, yeah, I've suffered with depression and anxiety. Right. Trust me, it's like, pull yourself together. You know, <laughs> the easier said than done because you have this, you have this yardstick that you can measure what your normality should be. Sure. And it isn't that. You know, I have a friend of mine at the moment, um, one of the guys from Minnesota, and we're, you know, we're speaking most nights on Facebook, and this guy has got the, he's got the world at his feet, or should have. And on the outside, looking in, great. Suffering horrendously with PTSD, but it's like he said, he goes, not just what he saw over there, now it's the questioning, what was the morality behind what I was doing? Was that the right thing? Was that the wrong thing? And then obviously, <laughs> You know yourself, this is, and I really want to get your thoughts on this. Warfare's changed. With your experience in the military, and just with your experience being on the planet for a long time now, Mo, you yeah. know what I mean? Which we have both been, right? Where do you see, where do you see that? Um, it's going to get worse. You can't beat an ideology. You can only beat an idea with a better idea. That, and, and they're not willing to And they don't want to hear it. No, no, absolutely not. So, you know, there's a saying, you know, we've got to be lucky all the time. They've only got to be lucky once. And, you know, you, you can't beat an ideology and it's going to happen. And I think people just should be aware. It's, yeah, I think terrorism awareness and things like that, it, you know, there's not a lot you can do other than awareness is a key, is a key skill. So, you know, if, I, if I'm going to London, for example, I'm really switched on. You know, if I'm going through an airport, I'm really switched on. Um, but you can't beat an ideology and it's not going to get any better, I wouldn't have thought. We're quite lucky in this country in that we're an island and I think that helps us. But like, I think there's something like 3,000 radicalised jihadis that went and fought for ISIS that have been let back into the country. They're the ones we know about. So you've got to draw your own conclusions from that. It's, 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 it's going to happen. Yeah, it, it, you see, I, th I think it's just the bullshit that these guys have been listening to is just the bullshit that me and you listen to in the early 80s where you know I, I you know the amount of Irish bars and clubs I used to get get thrown out of because I'd be like if it was such a glorious struggle why are you here you know you're a 45 year old man I'm a 17 year old kid and you're telling me how great it is it was great why aren't you there and sure. then of course it was like yeah you got a smart mouth and I'm like no I'm just don't be pissed off because I'm observant you know what I mean yeah. which I is think that's the, my the, life. the love hate relationship with the Irish and the English will always be there. But, you know, ultimately the IRA had an agenda. Um, and it was about, you know, I had this conversation with somebody the other day, you know, start with the civil rights movement. I mean, I was in Ireland, 68. I can remember the bricks being thrown in the bog side, you know. Um, so, you know, I, w I was there, I remember it. You know, I've been around that. But, the, you know, ultimately, they ha I mean, you know, Martin McGuinness died the other day and Clinton spoke at his funeral which is an accolade in itself, the people that, that turned up. So they went from that, you know, his relationship with Paisley and all that, that whole journey that we went through, they were dark days. And I think, you know, from a soldier's point of view, having served over there at that time, it was horrendous. You know, I can remember dark, I, I was over there when darkly, I don't remember that when yes. I saw those people in the church. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's as bad as anything that's happened, you know, in Iraq or yeah. anything to do that. 
So, uh, you know, I remember that. They were dark days. But we came through it. The IRA had an agenda, or Sinn Féin, whatever. They had, they had an agenda, and uh, it was ultimately, you know, it, we, we've got the peace, fragile as it is, but you're not going to get that with the jihadi no. terrorists. You, there's, there's, there's no common ground. What can we do? Um, it was amazing how McGuinness and Ian Pacey then were called the Chuckle Brothers. Right. And I looked at it, and I was like, this is a complete and utter farce. It's just business with these guys now. Or had they just matured? I think, um, you know, some of the atrocities that went on, I mean, it was horrendous. And I think mm. that's been overshadowed and forgotten pretty much by Iraq, Afghanistan, etc. You know, and what's going on in the world today. But they were horrible, dark days, you know. And, um, Brutal. So what's the future hold for you then, Mo? Um, you know, I'd like to, um, you know, I'm, I'm obviously um, with Richard Bastillo, under Richard the man I'll just continue training you know I'll try and get down and see Rick Fay and Eric Paulson and yeah um, you know just catch up with everybody I'd love to catch up with the guys in Bournemouth and and um, everybody uh, you know uh, maybe I'll go back out abroad again um, I've got a few projects hopefully a book coming out this year oh well Life get me down for the book so, yeah um, doing some courses I'm running a course in October and the best way to, the best way to get you is email, email. Motique yep it's on there I think email Motique at hotmail.co.uk I won't give out your number just in case sure. people start ringing you up but get you on social media as well Facebook Facebook yeah. that's the one well Mo thanks a lot man and sorry for talking about you in the past tense when we started alright thanks a lot thank you very much pleasure thank you thanks for taking the time to listen today you can listen to more shows like this on MixedMartialArts.com Mixed Martial Arts is an abrupt audio production today's show was produced by Luke Berry Aww.